Liesel, today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. I love Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. How can you not? They're pretty legit. It's a great business and it's even greater people. So local people running that business, doing great things. And, and it's the home for enlightened style shades. Enlightened style shades. I just like saying that. And it does sound, it sounds, sounds kind of big time. It does. Sounds very big time. And look, they've got, they don't just do shades. Like almost all of your interior decorating needs. They're there. They can help you get them. I even have pillows. I have pillows on my couch from Budget Blinds. Hmm, I didn't know you had pillows. Yeah, That's throw pillows. Amazing. I know. And who doesn't love throw pillows? Everybody loves really. throw pillows. And supporting a local business that gives back to the community is always a win. Always a win. So when you're ready to make your home the best home it can be, go visit our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Tell them Liesl and Nixon. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lee Summit Town Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Parker. With me as she is always, my co-host of almost a year now. Almost a year you've been putting up with me. I know. It's a long time. Well, I mean, a little longer because you've been doing the Monday episodes for a long time. Remember that one time I asked you to fill in and then you uh -huh. just And then you I just sort away. of like inherited the job. <laughs> mm -hmm. That happens a lot, it seems like. Look, listen, as uh, uh, our two guests that we're about to introduce know that if you hang around or you offer to do something once, you will be voluntold forever. That is a very good point, especially in Lee Summit. That's, I mean, I mean, it's true in lots of places, but. That's Liesl Hayes. She's mm -hmm. always here. Yes. <laughs> this is a fun episode uh, for me. I've got uh, back one guest, a first time with our second guest. But it's returning to to an old show, an old thing we did, a project we did during during the dark times of the pandemic. We are back. Ben Martin, <laughs> welcome back. Good to be here. And Janet Shellman, I meet you in person for the first time. Finally, yes. It's good uh, to actually be in the same room. We met through Zoom because during those dark days of the pandemic, we decided... Uh, we were bored, or I don't know what I don't know what the reasoning was, but we decided to do an audio play mm -hmm. that Ben had wrote called "Candle Against the Dark." Yep, and it was a great experience. It was a ton of fun, and we learned a lot. And we, we, <laughs> we learned, learned a lot. Learned a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's back now with a, a stage, a live stage performance happening at the Inglewood Arts Center over in Independence. Now, look, this show we don't go to Independence very often. Mm -hmm. But this is such a cool project. It involves some cool Lee Summit people, and it's all about a Lee Summit family. That's right, exactly. Uh, it starts, of course, with Carl Chinnery and his family's experience with polio back in, the, in 1942, if I remember exactly. And uh, he, his mother wrote him a letter explaining what happened during that time because he and his brothers all caught polio, but Carl was only a year old at the time. He did not remember it. But he got very in, involved in the, the efforts against polio by his membership in Rotary. And so he asked her to write the to tell him, and she refused at first, but then she wrote him this letter, which is a moving, uh, almost terrifying experience uh, as she ex explains what happened during those days. Uh, and he has since gone around to Rotary clubs, really people around the world, talking about this and, and trying to raise funds and try to keep awareness up about the battle against polio. So he did that as a... A presentation at our Rotary Club in 2019, the fall of 2019. At that point, I said, Carl, this there's, there's a play here. There's a, a dramatic story here. Can I have permission to write this up? And he said, okay. And so I said, oh, great. And so we had a play by December of 2019. 
Unfortunately, 2020 came along, and we all know what happened in 2020. Uh, and so the live stage version of it uh, wasn't going to work, and that's when we got together and decided to do the the podcast version of it. Now, to be fair, I'd been bugging Ben for a while before that, like, I want to do a play. I want to do an audio play. How do we do it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm, you know, in some ways, maybe the pandemic was good. Yeah, no, no but no, it, no. opportunities come up. <laughs> opportunity you know, to do. I. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was that was a fun a fun experience, and 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 you're right. Carl has been all over the world championing uh, the cause that the, the the Rotary champions mm -hmm, uh, exactly. to to eradicate polio from from the world. So you hadn't actually heard that whole story because you've been involved with the local Rotary Club for a long time, as has Carl. Uh huh. So you hadn't heard that story until he presented, or or he had, he had not done that presentation. I joined in 2012. And so he hadn't done that presentation in, in recent years, at least, at least at our club. Uh, and then he did, and, and that's where it, it got started. So Is that how you've written several things over, yeah. over your career? You yeah. are, you, you've been in theater forever. You taught theater. It's your thing. Is that, is that what usually happens? Is it just something? There's, there's got to be there? a spark of some sort. Yeah, I think some kind of inspiration that gets you started in, on a, a writing path, if you will. Uh, and then um, sometimes you run into a dead end. And I've got a, a whole file on my computer at home that has uh, probably 20 different great ideas that have never turned into anything else except four or five lines here. Oh, so you're a writer. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I we do, all have that. Yeah, I do, yes. I do write. I taught for many years, but yeah. And playwriting is one of the things I taught and really love to teach. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it... It doesn't always work out, but three or four times it has. What was the piece? And I think, and I think then we should kind of get in and tell tell what this this story is. Uh -huh. but, but what was when he gave the presentation? What was that nugget? Do you remember what that little bit was that went? Oh, oh I know. Gosh. Um, it was this almost piling on of of things that the mother had to go through. I, I think it was that that emotions and, and that terror that the mother really felt in terms of watching her sons one by one uh, come down with this dread disease and then how how to deal with it and especially where they were running up against the wall of the medical establishment at the time not really knowing that much about polio other than it was a dread disease that we didn't know how to treat we just had these various scattered kind of uh, remedies uh, that some worked and some did not uh, and so her continually trying to find ways for her boys to make it. And, uh, and they did uh, all, but one of them actually did survive and, and pretty much thrive today or, or did. Yeah. Some of them still have some issues. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, Richard still limps just a little bit, yeah. but, but they did, they did better than, than some of it. Um, that, yeah. Uh, that yeah. Remember. And, and fortunately, um, we don't have that anymore because we've come up with the polio vaccines and we've come up with much better treatments and so on. And so um, that's kind of a thing in the past, but not completely yet. So we're still working on that. Well, Janet, tell us about your role in the play. Who are you portraying? I am playing Mrs. Chinnery. There, oh, what a great role. Oh, yeah. So you are embodying all of that emotion. Oh, exactly. And it's it when I got to do it for the podcast before, when Carl and Ben asked me if I would be in their little play that we were going to do, and then Carl told me he wanted me to be his mom, I was so honored. I mean, I was I had the opportunity to meet 
Mrs. Chinnery years and years ago. I actually worked for Carl for about two and a half years, believe that or not. And I got to meet his mom then. Didn't get to spend a lot of time with her, but just knowing, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you the emotions that you go through hearing Carl read his mom's letter. That right there just tears at your heart. And then the way that Ben has written this and taught us so much. I have learned so many things on this last one that you did. He comes up with, so he did so much research. And so that makes it that much more real as to what Mrs. Chinnery was going through at the time. They didn't know what to do with these kids. And then what they did do with the kids were so traumatic. And she had to experience what her poor child went through and and you know it I can't even tell you the honor that I have playing Mrs. Chittery I just hope I can do her justice you know I hope that people will as I portray her I, I just hope and pray that people will feel what she felt I hope that I can bring that out to them and I want people to cry I like to make people cry <laughs> <laughs> oh I I love you <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so as you think about this role, um, what are some of the emotions that you've had to encounter maybe that surprised you in playing this part? Oh, the fear of what could happen to your child when someone doesn't really know what to do for them. Um, not being able to be with your child. just like and, and it's so close to COVID. When people had COVID and they were in the hospital, you couldn't go in there with them. That's what Mrs. Chinnery went through with her son. She could not be in there with him, and he was nine years old. Can you imagine having your child going through this horrible disease and him being in the other room calling for you and wanting you, and you cannot go in there? And I have two kids and a granddaughter, and I'm telling you what. I would have said a lot more than what I think she did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine because I, I, as as parents and everybody sitting here is a, is a parent. Like the one thing we want to do is fix it, right? Like mm -hmm. if there's something wrong, I mean, if you give us one superpower, it's, I want to be able to fix it, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I, and you're right. I can't imagine hearing the call from a child and not being able to even try to fix it. Yeah. Because they just were, it's against the policies. You cannot go in there. You cannot be with that child. And that just puts the fear in you, mm -hmm. you know? I I, th I think for me, when we when we produced it the first time, Ben, like the thing that hit me was we went and tried to find, and we found the sound of the iron lung machine. Yeah, yeah. And I think when we were putting that scene together, I was like, I, I think that what's made it, that's what made it real. I mean, because it was mm -hmm. so far before me. Like, I have only heard stories of polio from earlier generations. And to, when we found that, I, I don't know why, that was the thing that kind of just, just clicked yeah, in my head. Yeah. And that's, I think, what led to the expansion of the play beyond just the, the Chinnery family story. As we began to, okay, the Chinnery family encountered an iron lung. Okay, tell us about the iron lung. Let me look into that. Uh, and there's a whole story there uh, that we were able to add to the play. Um, and then um, they they uh, went through the Kinney method, uh, which actually in many cases saved them from being more more horribly crippled. Uh, and so we looked into the Kinney method, which goes back to this nurse from Australia, uh, 
who was an incredible person uh, that you know we don't know anything about now, but in the 1940s and 50s, she was one of the most well-known people uh, in the world, especially in the medical establishment because of the things that she did. Uh, and then that leads us to a story about Candyland, the game, and how that actually came off of a polio award and was invented that way. There, there's so many neat stories of things that people did in order to adapt to or try to address uh, the problems that were coming about because of polio. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite an inspiring story. That was a very sweet moment the, the, uh, Anne and I thought when we talked about Candyland yeah, where that yeah. came from. It's super sweet. We've got some great little kids that are there, and it's just so moving. The thing that the thing with the kidney treatment, she you got to remember what the time year was. And this woman is coming in trying to tell all of these male doctors I know how to help these people, and they didn't want to have anything to do with that. They didn't want, you know, they just shunned her and like, yeah, all right, whatever, whatever. Now, so she went through some struggles trying to make sure that male doctors would listen to her because it was the 40s and the 50s. Just like with Mrs. Chinnery, I spoke to her grandchildren, and they said she never raised her voice. She would never question because it was 1942. You're not women weren't supposed to do that, and so that really made me think I, how blessed I am, how things have changed, and I can interrupt people and I can yell if I need to. And if I was in her position, I would for sure. When 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 he called you, when Ben called and says, "Hey, we're going to do this again, only live." I, I was really excited. I was really excited. And then as he kept adding to it, you know, kept adding, it's got so much more information than it did when we did the initial podcast. And so the more that I read it, the more, and to be able to stand in front of people and tell them this story and, and portray all of this, that's, that's a blessing right there. That's something I really enjoy. Now as someone, I, you know, I am only really a theater consumer. I've never done theater or anything what are some of the differences for you as, as actors as producers and writers of doing it on a stage versus where we you know we now i know we weren't in studios in 2020 <laughs> everybody's at their own home which was weird enough but i mean uh -huh. what are some of those differences i i guess as you as you're seeing this one come together the visual element becomes much more important obviously um and and the visual element being on a stage, you know, if it if it's in film, then quite often you film in a location, and so the location does a lot of the work for you. Uh, but on a stage, that actor has to do a lot of the work to make you believe that they are exact, actually where they say they are. Uh, that's a tricky thing to yeah, do. Yeah, it is, because this is um, like a minimalist play, so there's not a lot of props. There's no backdrops. There's no, you know, we're not going to move a desk in when somebody's sitting behind a desk. So... As actors, we have to help the audience visualize that there's an iron lung there or that there's a um, just the hospital bed. And, and my son, you know, we have to show that in our face and in our voice and in the way that we stand and what we do with our hands. And sometimes that's really tricky to figure out what to do with your hands. Oh, I, feel, I, I feel like hands is the hardest thing. Yeah, like, hands, yeah. definitely. Because you don't, you don't think about what you're doing with your hands mm -hmm. most of the time. How yeah. many people are, you talked about it being minimalist. How many people are in the cast total? 
There's 19. You got 19? Yeah. And when I say minimalist, I'm not talking volume of actors. I'm talking in props. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. The bare stage and chairs for the most part. Is is that an artistic choice or is that based on the stage itself? Uh, A little bit of both. It is an artistic choice. I've given over the directing to Nancy Eppert, who's been very active in community theater around Kansas City for many years. I've known Nancy, Nancy for many years. And so I think she's she's got a good handle on it, a good idea on how to, to make this. And I think she really buys into it uh, as well. Uh, and so she's made the choice based on the Englewood art space that we that we have there, which is a fairly small um, platform kind of stage. Um, and so it, we, it'd be just about impossible for us to put a big scene up behind it and, and try to represent the locale with physical you know attributes. Uh, so instead, it, it's up to the actors to uh, to establish that place for us, and and you, it's 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 done pretty well. They they can do it. It's hey, it's ahead. it's so intimate. I guess is the right word because the stage ends, and then there's the audience, and so the closeness that we have to the audience, I think that helps us relay to them everything that the actors are going through. The audience sits no more than four or five feet away yeah. from the, the wow. actors, yeah. the front row at least. Yeah, and I love that. How do you kind of, I guess, how do you, I don't want to sound cliche, what's your process? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I guess how do you kind of work that through your brain that you've got to convince, you know, you have to convince me that there's an iron lung sitting there. I mean, that was a huge, scary-looking device, I think just in the way that we look, the facial expressions that we have, um, that's what we're, we hope that that's what you guys get by the way that we're looking at this piece of machinery that's not there. You know, we look at it, we visualize it, and we hope that we portray that to you so that you pick that up. I don't know if you could see it. You could just see Janet doing it right there at, yeah. that, at that moment. Well, and I mean, I think it's a higher level skill, really. I mean, if you think about... You are literally tasked with not only are you portraying this character, but there's an element as well of you have to make intentional movements. And so I think that's probably an additional challenge. And okay, so as you take it live in front of the audience, when can people actually see this amazing play? When does it start? Ah, I guess we ought to probably talk yeah, about Yeah, <laughs> we, we might. We should promote it, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. So October 6th is going to be our gala opening night. Uh, if this is being done as a fundraiser for Polio Plus, uh, because there's still polio, unfortunately, uh, in the world that we have to deal with. So October 6th at Englewood Arts, uh, 6.30, uh, there'll be a reception, uh, what we're calling an after-dinner theater that night, because we're going to have a whole array of, of desserts. Uh, uh, donated by Dutzel Catering. Better give them credit here, too. Uh, and uh, and so people can enjoy that, talk, network, and so on, um, and then they can watch the show after that. And um, we've been able to, to work out the expenses to where 100% of the money that they are donating or that they're putting in ticket sales uh, for that night and the subsequent performances will go to Polio Plus. Uh, and then it performs also on the 7th at 7.30, uh, on Sunday the 8th at 2.30, and then the following weekend, uh, the 13th and 14th at 7.30, and the 15th at 2.30. And there are still tickets available. Uh, you can get those tickets by going to the Englewood Arts uh, website. 
Perfect. How much are tickets? Uh, tickets are going to be $40 uh, because, again, it is a fundraiser, so we're trying to maximize those funds that are, are going to be going to polio uh, for every other night except for that first night. The first night is the $100. We all have also, through a multiplier effect of people working on polio around the world, uh, so for every $100 that we generate out of this project, it's going to turn into $750. That's incredible. Because other people are matching and, and so on. So it really is going to make a huge impact uh, just with this one play that we're putting on here. Is that through all performances or just through that first one? Uh, all performances. All perform- so all wow. of the proceeds from tickets are going to be going to Polio Plus. Every wow. hundred becomes 750 Every That's hundred. amazing. Is that something that Rotary's doing or who's matching the dollars there? Uh, Rotary is. Uh, the Gates Foundation is. I think there's some other individuals and organizations that are also working on on you. You probably have as much information about that as I do. I just help my husband type those little emails. <laughs> <laughs> Her husband is actually the chairman for Polio Plus in the district. Is that right? Yes, Rotary, I believe so. The Rotary district. So, uh, Kent. So he's he's very much involved with it uh, and and helping us out too. And he's been friends with Carl for a long time. That's how I met Carl thirty years ago when Kent joined Rotary. Um, Kent was in it for like a year, I think, when he became president, and that's the first time that I got to meet Carl. And he's such a hoot. He's he's such a Carl is such a great guy. He was just um, Lee Summit Citizen of the Year, mm-hmm. which is pretty Lake cool. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and I believe the presentation of that award is this coming weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Well, oh. yes. He was actually honored too at the September eighth. Yeah, they do it twice. Yes, they do Truman it Heartland. twice because they. Well, I think a big part too is they want to give um, you know individuals in the community the opportunity to speak, and you can't actually do that at the gala. Okay, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, he definitely spoke, and you all know he was humble, and it was very short. You all know Carl, mm-hmm. so yeah, and witty, and uh, yes, and dry all humor. the things, yeah. Yeah. yes. <laughs> and got to get some Dr. Seuss in there, didn't he? Did he oh, get Dr. I don't Seuss? think he did this time. Oh, that's no. unusual. That's really <laughs> unusual. He always that's a little off-brand for him. Yeah, I know. Gosh, maybe <laughs> did I miss the Dr. Seuss quote? Maybe. Lisa, Lisa stops paying attention. Ah. Yes. <laughs> Come she on. would have been the one in your classes when no, you were a teacher. That, all right, all right. That, yeah, in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have that would have been lethal. I'm I'm, I'm sure. Well, so you said that there are what nineteen? Nineteen in the cast. Yep. In the in the cast this time. All my children are in the cast except for Larry. Right. Yeah. All we don't Mrs. Chinnery's children are, are represented right, in the cast. Right. So. And the two older sons. Artis was born after. All of the polio stuff. The daughter, Artis, was born. And then they had two other boys after that. And so Artis is the only one that's portrayed in the play besides George, Bill, Richard. Carl. Carl. And Larry. Yeah. And then Larry is yeah. mentioned, but we don't have a, an actor for Larry. I don't want to give too much away, but I do think, and this is for, for either, either one of you, I think we ought to explain the significance of the candle. Ah. The, the title is Cable no, Against the Dark. No, can't give it away. Yeah, we don't, away? Want to, we don't want to give it away, but it is a, it's a touching moment uh, that brings the play to a, a, a nice rounded conclusion there toward the end. Okay, I'll let you get away with that. <laughs> you should let them get away with it. They just Everyone just has to pay $40 to find out. That's right. Yeah. Donate to the cause and you get to find out the secret. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. She, she, after her child goes away, I'm not even going to tell you which one, the, after this child passes, 
Mrs. Chinnery puts, they put the picture up on the mantle, and then she puts a candle next to that. And one of the grandkids told me she did not realize why that candle or nightlight was next to that picture until Mrs. Chinnery wrote the letter. Wow. She remembers every night before they went to bed, they would make sure that there was the nightlight was next to this picture. So you got to remember that. That went on for... Years. Years and years and years and years and years. But that's a that's an image that's strong in the play and then uh, then we finally find out the reason. I, I this is uh, this is kind of weird for me to ask cuz we're not going to tell the whole story about it, but <laughs> did you a, 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 as the writer, did you did you hone in on that pretty quickly? That 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 imagery? Uh, yeah, and and it became stronger yet uh when I did talk to artists, the daughter who hadn't been uh, there when when polio was struck them, and because artists had actually asked her mother about it as well, um, and the mother's response to artists is the one that just bam. Now I know what the title's going to be, and I know how the play is going to end. Yeah. It's my last line of the play. It is. So you have to. Watch we're we're the giving movie. a lot away right here. <laughs> no. Well, look, if it's anything like the audio version, it is going to be fantastic. Everybody should go see it. I think the audio version is still out there somewhere. You can still find it. Uh, we'll reveal that after we're done with this production. That way we get everybody's $40. I should probably, <laughs> I should probably go back and check and make sure all those links work. The links do work. I did listen oh, to it. The other day. Yeah, yeah, it does still work. So It's uh, just so much bigger now than it was for the initial podcast. Because Ben put so much work into it. And that's like I said, when I read this, I was like, oh, my gosh, I learned so much. You put you put a lot of research in that. Yeah. That and was, it's, that was fun. And it, well, was, it was really fascinating, too, to follow all those yeah. different leads and see how they could be incorporated into the play. Yeah, I think that, that that's a that's a thing to be proud of, I think, for you for uh, for you guys, because it's not just. A straight line story. There's there mm-hmm. are different bits that you wrapped into it that are that are important. Yeah. And being able to see it live is going to be a totally different experience True. than the podcast. So which will be great. Oh, yeah. I mean, the podcast is great. I'm sure it's fantastic, but there is an element <laughs> of thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there's an element of being able, you know, to actually see actors and Absolute, actresses. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. All right. One more time. Premiere is October 6th. October 6th at 6.30 is when the reception starts and 7.30 is when the performance starts. That's the gala night after dinner theater with Dutzel Catering providing wonderful desserts. Um, And uh, that's the $100 night uh, donation. And then uh, 7th and the 8th, uh, the 7th is Saturday night at 7.30, 8th is Sunday afternoon at 2.30. And then the following weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, the 13th and 14th at 7.30, and the 15th at 2.30, and I think I got all the correct. I think you did. That's and impressive. That's <laughs> impressive. And 100% of ticket sale proceeds will go to Polio Plus. That. And the multiplier effect of, of making each one of those that is $100 cool. amounts up to seven fifty. And where do you get tickets again? Uh, on the Englewood Arts website. And I wish I remembered exactly what it is, but if you just Google in Englewood Arts, you'll yeah. find it. As a friend of mine likes to say, it's Googleable. It's, you got it. <laughs> Just hit on there. When you get there, just hit events and then just scroll yep. to Candle Against the Dark. We will try to remember to put, put a link in our show notes. Okay. So everybody can go there. Ben, Janet, thank you very much. We appreciate it. It's and been fun. Thank, thank you, you for the show. Thank you so much. It's nice to be able to put this on stage. Ben did a great job. 
great job. And they're doing a great job putting it out there. Thank you. And you are going to be awesome on the stage. Thank you. I, be... I want you to cry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I think that's why she's my favorite now. She says <laughs> yes. she likes to make people cry. Uh -huh. <laughs> I do. That'll wrap us up for this time. We'll talk to everybody next week.